Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fiercely Spiritual Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Ray, and today I'm so thrilled to have a lovely guest with me, Elizabeth Manning. Um, Elizabeth is the former assistant to the founder and CEO of Nike, who grew her wings as an online solopreneur. Um, Elizabeth has been teaching coaches and leaders and creatives and mothers-to-be how to self-heal and co-create with spirit to birth their potential and bring their soul's calling to life. You're so welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Sandra. It is an honor to be here. Well, I'm looking forward to our conversation. There's a lot of things that I want to chat to you about. Um, I think we'll start with how you went from being an assistant in a major corporation to being a solopreneur and doing the work that you're doing today. That's a really great one. Um, I <clears throat> came out of college with a psychology degree had no idea what I was going to do with my life. And that was, I'm sure, a question for me that guided this whole thing because I was always asking that question. I didn't ever land on something that said, oh, this is it. Oh, this is it. And Nike actually just fell into my lap. Um, I literally, because I didn't know what I was going to do, I also didn't really care at that point. I was about 23 24, somewhere in there. And it was, it was right after I had took, I take, I took a break from college and I went home to Montana and I just hung out with my family on the lake. We had a lake house on Flathead Lake. And I remember thinking, whatever I do, I want it to make an impact. I just, I want to make I want to touch this world and leave it better than when I found it. And that's really where I left it at that age. Um, but I, I was going through a lot of personal stuff, um, kind of reorienting myself from a childhood that was less than ideal. And, you know, just this, this whole process of forgiveness and, and letting go and moving through growing up as an adult. And when I, when Nike came along, it felt like a second campus. It was like college. It, they gave you two hour lunch breaks to go work out or go to dance class or whatever you wanted to do. And I was entering races and running and just at my fittest physically, um, where it, it was also a culture of enhancement of, of looking to reach for new heights really. And so getting into Nike and being chosen actually plucked from the employee store, which was the entry level that you had to go to unless you had, uh, unless you were recruited pretty much from Nike themselves. They pretty much handpick everybody that comes through their doors. And so I got in at the ground level, schlepping shoes, helping Charles Barkley find a pair of size, whatever, 16 shoe that he had. And it was, it was a great opportunity to get to know a world of excellence, so to speak. Um, but when I got to know Phil and I got plugged into that environment, it was a really special time because I had no pre previous knowledge of admin work or how to be an assistant or even how to work at that level. This is the founder, 
you know, Phil Knight is like the god of the Nike world. And it turns out that he was the most kind and gentle man I had ever met. Like he came into the office and would bow to me, like in honor of me. And I was, it says a lot. Mm -hmm. That man was just a a remarkable human being. He didn't say a lot. He was very shy or or I, I don't know if shy is the word, but he just didn't have a lot. He wasn't one of those boisterous, talkative people. He just was really grounded, really focused and full of respect and kindness. So that led me to deepen my own search to say, this is the kind of person I want to be, but I'd like to do it not making money for someone else. I'd like to do it finding my own way. And it something clicked. And I told that to Phil, I said, I just, I need to find my own way. And he said, I'll create a job for you within Nike. I, I would like to not ha- lose you. So if you, whatever you want to do that you feel is more aligned with you, then figure it out and I'll create a job for you. And that was amazing. So yes, I went to something more creative, but it certainly was not. It was advertising <laughs> and it was not um, what I had thought it would be. So shortly after that, I ended up leaving, but it took a lot of guts to, to leave something that was so wonderful with the faith that something even more wonderful would come along. And I had to listen to my own guidance on that. And it was, it was actually really, it tormented me for a bit because I thought maybe I made the wrong decision, but that's what ended up guiding me to the work I do now is about tuning into that inner guidance and listening to your spirit and really actively participating in co-creating your life from a spiritual perspective. And that's ultimately what called me to this. I think my story definitely ties into what I do today. And I use those tools now to apply them in my own work. And I love what I do. I just am so grateful that I'm here now. I love that story. And as you said, leaving something that was so wonderful, was so hard. And I think for even people who are in jobs that they hate, it's often hard for them to leave because they're so ingrained in the culture and there may be aspects of it that they like and there may be colleagues that they get on with and it can be really hard to extract yourself from that environment. So being in an environment where you found it so great and having that courage to step away. And I say the same about relationships. When you're in a relationship, it's so hard to step away, particularly when it, it seems that everything is going well, but there's that something that was missing. And it seems to me that you knew that yeah. something was kind of missing, but you were you had the courage to go and follow that and to find out what that was. That's exactly right. And relationships, I'm glad you touched on that because it's very, very much the same. It, it actually goes across the board of anything we're trying to create that is in alignment with our soul. But the the problem that I see with a lot of folks is we make choices without really getting to know what our soul is really calling for. We feel the, the itch, but we'd never stop to scratch it because we're so busy staying safe and staying with what we know. And so for me, I had, luckily I had that insight to be able and the foresight, I guess, to, to say, you know, I'm not going to stop until I scratch this 
itch and figure out what's going on. And I ended up broke several times. I ended up getting a job in a restaurant. I, I was, I took a few detours for sure. I mean, it was not all roses right after that at all, but I was willing to go on that adventure because I wasn't going to give up until I honed in. And what, it, what I liken it to now is very similar to kind of picking up a really beautiful guitar or instrument and we dust it off and we, first of all, we reconnect with it and we actually dream about making music with it. And instead of sitting it on the shelf, we actually take it off the shelf and we dust it off and we tighten the strings or maybe we get some new strings. Maybe we polish it a little bit. We, we give it a little love. And then we start to play around with the notes and we tune the notes and ever so subtly, our soul goes through this process of fine tuning itself. Does this fit me? Does this resonate? No, yes, no, yes. And a series of no's have to take place to get to that yes. And I was willing to say no over and over and over again to what didn't feel quite right. And that, you know, there took me to, I, I'm talking a lot, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> But it took me That's to what my you're here for. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took me to my husband. I didn't get married till I was 45, 44, 45, because I went through a lot. I kissed a lot of frogs to get to that prince because I was what I was doing. I didn't realize until later. Now that I talk about that instrument, I was fine tuning my own soul's calling but what was really beautiful is this, all of this was playing into a bigger picture that I couldn't see, but I could feel. And I knew, I just knew, I told my mom when I was 13, mom, I don't expect kids or grandchildren and don't expect me to get married till I'm in my forties. I knew when I was really young and I believe that we are imprinted with our soul's purpose and pattern early on and if we can stay in touch with that through our lives and not dampen it out or numb it out, I went down a slippery slope of drinking it away and I got sober 20 years ago, actually 20 years ago yesterday. Wow. And it was a hard road to get, first of all, clear in the physical sense so that my spiritual side could come to life. And now I live this I mean, I put everything on a vision board about, you know, 10 years before it all came to fruition, but I kept that thing on my wall and I kept looking at it and connecting with it and it would slowly evolve. And now everything on that vision board came true down to even seeing Oprah in the physical. So, I mean, there's just funny little things about magic and how divine magic really works in our life, but it's amazing when we get what's in the way out of the way to say no to what's not aligned and listen to our inner guidance to those yeses and we actually honor them. It's amazing what can come as a result. And I really love that analogy of the, the guitar and tuning it. And I think often we think that when, because what happens with me, certainly I know that if I get a message from spirits or my guides or angels and I have a vision of what I'll be doing or experiencing and 
I I don't know the timeline. My angels might give me a like visual of something that might be two years down the line or it might be five years. But I think, oh, great, that's going to happen tomorrow. And I forget <laughs> that right. it's that process of fine tuning. And, you know, I remember when I was younger and, um, you know, wanting to write a book. And as that process started playing out and it was like a very gradual process where I wrote for me, first of all. And then I was thinking, okay, well, maybe if I put that out into the world and it just happened gradually over time. Whereas I think that a lot of people get very impatient to think this has to happen straight away. And if it doesn't happen straight away, they give up on it, thinking that it's never going to happen. And especially like you say, with your relationship, um, you know, you were fine tuning what you wanted the whole time and you never gave up on the fact that you would finally meet that one, that person who would be your husband. So when we talk about living, you know, this life, um, I think you said that it's like a spirit led life. Um, How, you know, first of all, what, what what can people do if they want to start living that way? And how do they start um, taking those steps towards it? Oh, that's a great question. That is a body of work right there in that question you just asked. Um, how they can start is, is just by kind of viewing themselves in this trans state where you identify and notice how your life works for you when you identify yourself as I'm going to just use the analogy, the the allegory of the drop versus the ocean. And when we are identifying with the little I, which is our drop, our body, um, we manifest a very different way. We manifest to get things to get uh, safety, um, we manifest out of a kind of a childish ego self. Um, we have our tantrums from that level. We have our our outbursts, our our reactions. Um, we are also very kind of driven in terms of control and force and making something happen, like you said earlier about just, you know, I expect it now. The ego, I little I wants what it wants and it wants it now. <laughs> and we as a, on a, you know, those who are seeking the true path of the divine, there is an understanding that there's an evolutionary process going on and that when we sign ourselves to that higher path, we can pretty much bank on every single thing that happens on, on the way to that, to that leveling up, so to speak, is happening for our, our behalf, on our behalf, for us to lift us, to help us see certain things that we need to see in order to grow. And everything can be used to make those, you know, lemonade out of the lemons. But we are students at that point, but we are also growing into being our own teacher. And we are ultimately our highest inner guide. We, our higher self can guide us the entire way as we learn to trust it. But this first process would be to say, notice when you're identifying with the little I 
the drop self, the reactionary, fearful kind of controlling kind of way. And as you imagine, just even taking an imagination standpoint, meditation is the kind of meditation that I teach is very active. It's very interactive and experiential where you're just not clearing the mind, but you're actually moving and growing and expanding into that higher self uh, viewpoint and, and potential actually. But we slowly morph. We're like the butterfly going through its metamorphosis. We go into this bug soup and we turn into mush. Life doesn't make sense at that point. We lose friends, jobs, husbands. <laughs> I mean, things happen. And it's part of our evolutionary growth as we start to understand that we're letting go of all of those attachments that we used to identify with so closely and cling on to in our reality of the little eye. But as we let go of the little eye and we merge our drop into that ocean, all that dirt that we've been carrying as the little eye, all of the weight, the emotional weight, it washes off. It's like stain off of a piece of cloth. It, it just rinses out and cleans and we feel lifted. We feel clear. We feel centered and still and calm. And that is where the peace of God literally comes in, where we let go of the burdens. We let go of the cross we're bearing and we merge with that ocean divine. And we feel like we can suddenly see to the bottom of that lake, you know, we, we can see our life a lot more clearly and we'll make decisions differently. We'll act in a way of being differently. And we feel different inside when we identify with the ocean. And the truth of it is, if we are all drops from the same ocean, we all have different perspectives and experiences that express that ocean. But the truth is we have the ingredients of the ocean inside of us. We've got that map of the universe literally written on our bones. And it, just to let go of the skin that we are holding ourselves in long enough to touch that starlit sky inside of us, we shed everything that weighs us down and gives us that gravity. And we are shown things, right? We are shown things, the map from a 33,000 foot view is very different than a map that like what looks like a drop viewing it where we're just like only looking at one perspective. We can see so much clearer from above. So, so that's one, one way to do it, one way to start. So there's a few things that I want to go into there. One uh, quote that was coming up as you were talking um, was one from A Course in Miracles. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, it says Very. those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. And from what you're saying, um, it sounds like when you're uh, coming from that place of being the ocean, you're certain of the outcome. You're certain of what the, your highest good will come through in the highest and best way, or maybe something even better than you had envisioned. So you can enjoy the journey. There's no more that kind of um, urgency or those tantrums that you talk about. And what I find is when 
I do have something that I am manifesting in my life. If I start to get into that kind of uh, childish tantrum state where I'm like, well, where is it? Why hasn't it uh, transpired yet? <laughs> I do go back to that um, that presence within and say, okay, so if I go back to being the presence, being the ocean, as you say, you know, how does this now feel? And that urgency just melts away. That, you know, clinging and struggle, it just melts away. Um, so yeah. when... Yeah. We're, we're, and it's, it's all a work in progress because we're all, I think, coming back to realizing who we are. We are not these physical bodies. We are infinite spirit, but we've forgotten that that's who we are. And so when we're, when we're remembering that that's who we are, then even as we were saying, you know, that process of waiting for it, but suddenly that process starts to speed up when we're truly aligned. Um, So what I wanted to ask you about is how, when you are in that state of manifesting something into your life, um, what, you know, what way do you work with spirits? You work with the angels. um, How do you go about it? Mm. How do I go about it is complete and utter humility and surrender. And I always, always call in the highest good, the highest outcome for all beings involved, because I can't just ask for the highest outcome for me. You know, it has to include alignment with all of the sacred agreements that I have. I do a meditation process where I hold all my agreements that I've made, my contracts um, with, with creator and I hold it up to creator light. And our creator light is something that comes from that highest divine source light that is, um, it's, it's interesting that light changes, but it doesn't change. There's a, there's a constant, but there's also changing colors based on where we are at that stage in our life and where we're going. And as we point ourselves in that direction, and claim it continually. Uh, we we claim it. We give ourselves permission to receive it, to to allow it, to be that. And there's there's a healing process in that just by itself that happens. But in the process of that, the meditation journeys are very important because that is us stepping into the ocean on a very conscious and intentional level, and that's where the acceleration can happen. We cannot create from the little eye. We cannot create from our drop. We must tap into the ocean to reach for the source that can bring us all these things, reach for the source that can bring us these things and everything will be added to our life. It's just, it's, it's not, it's a, it's a a very fine line of letting go and calling it in at the same time. So these meditations are part of that where you hold the contracts to creator light to rinse them off and bring them into alignment, basically dust off everything that needs dusting. And and those that are not aligned, they disappear. They they dissolve or they get smaller. It means there's a clue in there that, that that contract is ending. And it's not, it doesn't make it, and same, this actually ties into things like breakups, divorces, old jobs, things we actually would cling, normally cling to. Don't leave me, you know, this feeling of devastation is actually 
just that's our little eye perception and experience and projection. And when we surrender and take that up to the feet of God, our complaint is never with the person. It's always with God, really. <laughs> We're always working that out with creator. We go vertical instead of horizontal. We go, that's the cross we bear, right? We're constantly aiming for vertical to clear and align and the contract clearing is very important to me because why would I want to go after something to manifest it if it's not in my highest interest and best alignment for, for the greater good, for the highest good? So at that level, it's me being courageous enough to let go, to surrender for this or something better. I always say that too, this or something better creator this or something better. And it makes me joyful and it, it, it positive expectations can come from that. The manifestation process won't work if we don't match our emotional state with our mental focus. If we are thinking about what we want and feeling bad about it, that it's not here yet, that's not a match. We must bring our emotional state to match who we will be when we get that thing in our life. And, when, and then we surrender the whole darn thing up to creator's guidance, because I don't know if that partner is right for me. It feels right here, but is that the part of me that wants is self-will run riot? Am I just doing it because I want it? So that's my way of taking my, that contract that could be really the one. And I take it up to creator. So my process is giving myself permission what I want, making sure that I allow myself on all levels to step through that and to clear what is in the way of getting that, whether it's deservedness, whether it's um, the, the small self wanting what it wants, whether it's fear, if it's a fear stated, a fear, fear, excuse me, a fear-based creation, then it absolutely needs healing because that is not the highest level of creation at all. Um, then I look at my chakras. I'm, I'm really energetically inclined. So I'm all about um, clearing whatever disturbances I have in the way because ethics and integrity for this level of creatorship is really important. It's like we can't be manifesting out of self-will. We, we At this level, it has to be in ethics and surrendered to the highest and best interest of, of my life as well as others' lives. So I'm willing to do what it takes at that level. These days, I don't always meditate on it. I, I actually have the ingredients kind of in me now. So I walk the talk daily, but there are some times where I don't feel like I'm deserving or or actually don't even feel like I'm ready. And the truth is we're never really, really ready. But I say, I'm ready to be ready. <laughs> I'm ready to be ready and help me heal whatever's in the way that is in my blind spot. I don't know what that is, but I give it to you to bring, to, to clear it. And if I need to see something around that, then let me see it. I'm willing to see it so I can heal it. Yeah, I think but, that's um, a really important point because some of the things that have come about in my life when I first started connecting with the energy of those manifestations um, I know that I definitely wasn't ready when I first started connecting with the energy of it and um, it was like that seed that was planted 
But when it did transpire, it might have been a couple of years later, I had grown so much and then I was ready. But I didn't realize at the time when I first started to create or to connect with the energy of it, that it was something that I would grow into. Um, I yes. To, yeah. So important. Mm. That is actually a really important topic you're saying uh, or you're speaking about, because we at that point, we are equipped to be able to handle it. I, I, I liken it to what I talk about uh, with with students about the thimble full of God. I talk, I, I just say it's it's like that idea that God wants to fill our cup and, and abundance comes, limitless abundance comes from the universe. It's us that have the projection of how much we can have or how much we're worthy of and that all that gets in the way. But if we just tap in to the limitless ocean that is here for us and remember that it's actually already written in our bones. So all we have to do is really connect with it and amplify it. But that amplification process is part and parcel to letting go of the idea that we're just only a thimbleful. We can be a huge chalice, very expansive chalice. We are the container. We are the portal. So opening ourselves, it's getting us ready. We, we, we would probably explode if we got everything that we wanted tomorrow because we our container, our vibration isn't a match for what we are actually calling in. And so there is this beautiful grace period of allowing, of, of tuning, fine tuning that instrument so that our masterpiece can be played through us. And that takes, it actually doesn't have to take a lot of time. It takes what it takes in a perfectly orchestrated way, but we can accelerate it by getting our vibration into that state of acting, really being, not even acting, but being that person that would be the person once she crosses the finish line, be that person. And there are no more lessons to learn. There are no more heart hurdles to get over. There's no more struggle to be had. There's nothing lost, nothing missing, but we have to stop projecting thinking, oh, one day, because the universe will just keep us busy with one day and one day more, it will always be out there some, but it, it needs to be in our reality now as if it's real for us right now. So important. And yeah. I think that as well, what you mentioned about one day, um, sometimes we can use that kind of projection of a oh, one day um, to stay in our comfort zone, to stay safe and not be in that space of, oh, well, this feels a little uncomfortable because this is something new. This is something that I'm not used to. Right. So it's like that total balancing act of being, okay, I'm totally detached from the outcome. I know it'll come about in perfect divine timing, but also I know I need to take the step, which maybe makes me feel a little bit mm -hmm. fearful. And it's like this dance where we're like constantly, and I love that you talked about that kind of period of grace that we're given. Um, because sometimes during that period, we are given a chance to change our minds. Exactly. We might decide, oh, well, actually, that isn't really the exact thing I wanted. And I want to change my mind and go for this version of it instead. So there's so much going on yes. here, but it's all, it's all good. It's all a game and it's all part of the process. It's just about enjoying the, um, the yes. process along the way. Enjoying the process and also being willing to be uncomfortable. 
knowing that that uncomfortability as you embark on this highest good trail, this path, working with your higher self actively, trusting each day that that's it's on its way to you, that it's happening now. There is this, there's this willingness to be uncomfortable that needs to be put in play as well, because it's like God is reaching down into your vessel literally and stretching your, your clay, stretching you out to, to be able to hold more, to be able to expand into that. Our willingness softens that clay instead of being rigid and, and getting overwhelmed with it, we actually can soften into it. And that, for me, that saved me because I would react to being uncomfortable and I'd be, I'd quit before that miracle. And I would just say, forget it. It's too hard. And that's the problem I think all of us face. And that's why a lot of things manifest because we don't stick with it long enough to realize that it's, once we decide to manifest, there's actually a road to understanding the inner workings of how it works. But once we understand the inner recipe, that perfect little creation cake gets made and we understand we can rinse and repeat after that, but we are learning the mechanisms inside. And it literally is a fine tuning of our emotional state, our mental state, our actions, our reactions, our understanding of being in alignment with love rather than fear. And just really, there is a lot to it, but it's, it's also doesn't have to be as hard as people make it too. I think it's actually quite simple. We, we tend to make it very difficult and it's not, it's actually quite easy and clean. Well, that's what I find when I'm manifesting something that I'm not, you know, overly hung up on. Um, that it comes about really fast. And when I find if there's something that I'm like, I have to have this, and I've got this like sense of, you know, a really strong desire around it, I always find that that desire or that sense of longing, there's always something that needs to be healed. There's always some fear behind that. It's like, I have to have it because I want to feel this way. And ultimately, all of our manifestations, all of our creations, we want them because we know they'll make us feel a certain way when we have them. And I think that, as you said, you met, you touched on the deservingness part before. And if we feel we're not deserving or if we feel that um, there's something else that we're lacking, then we'll, we'll want to have something to make to fill that void. But we fill that from within. It's not the external objects that fill that. That comes from within. So when our cup is full, then the manifestations just happen so naturally because it's we're not trying to fill voids. It's already just part of who we are and it's like an extension of us. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes complete sense because that is that, oh, you just described something about healing versus creating. Healing is a is a is the kind of the if we have if we're full of holes and we're trying to fill up. <laughs> we're going to leak out all that preciousness that we are putting forth to create. If there are holes that drain our energy, um, my, a lot of my work has been dedicated to conscious conception and fertility. And this is like a really huge, really big piece for, for those students who are trying to fill their cup with life force. And yet we get drained and it's applicable to everything we're trying to create, but in that specific uh, lesson, teaching it really it really resonates but it's like it's it's the act of recognizing that the wholeness that we already are 
needs to be remembered. We are activating the wholeness inside of ourselves. It doesn't mean we have to fix every single problem that we think are leaking out of us. Once we tap into the ocean and bring it into our drop, God's spackle automatically fills those holes. It starts to heal it on its own. Let the light do the work. We just open the door. We're just letting it in. Let the light do the work. This is a, a mindset shift that is very, very potent for conscious creators. It's, it's a must. And I don't call in just any old light. I'm calling in the Christed light. I'm working with the highest levels of angels and ascended masters. I'm calling them in. I am saying only the highest good is allowed in my space. Highest good is the creator light. The, excuse me, the Christed light is the golden Christed awareness Christ, it is simply just that idea. And yes, I work a lot with Christ, but this energy and idea and consciousness of our God connection, our oneness with creator, our oneness with God. And understanding that in that Christed mindset, there is no separation with between us and God. Suffering is a result of perceived separation. Suffering is a result of perceived separation. When we remember that we are already whole, everything else starts to heal on its own. And that is where things start speeding up because we cannot keep repairing the holes in our life to catch up with where our spirit actually sees us being ultimately. If we keep bringing our focus to the wounds, we're never going to heal those, those the, 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 we're just going to be focused. Our energy is going to be all tied up in that. The accelerated miracle is really the shift in perception that says, I'm already whole. I'm already whole. And isn't that what each lesson in our life is actually returning us to? Isn't that everything in this life that takes us home? We're just here to walk each other home. We're just here to go home, all of us. Some people are ahead of us a few steps. You know, I have my people that pull me up and I pull others up behind me and they will pull others up behind them. It's like this beautiful daisy chain. <laughs> but yeah, so you touched on very, a very important thing. We need to be in that whole state in order to, to create and expand. And yeah, it's a, it's this, again, I'll just say one last little tie up with that is just, it's the difference between healing and growth, growth and expansion come after the healing. And I think it's a natural kind of process for all of us. Once we heal our wounds, we automatically expand into serving others and serving the world and serving in a greater capacity. That's the natural kind of evolution. That's kind of a signal that we've done the work. And it's such a universal paradox because on the one hand, we are already whole, we're already complete, we're already perfect. And then on the other hand, there's these beliefs that we are inherently flawed in some way and we believe that we need to heal aspects of ourselves. Um, so we have this paradox going on where we are the universe, we are perfect, but our belief is that we are imperfect 
and therefore we need healing. So it's kind of again this dance where we kind of, where we go between the two, and when ultimately we come to realize that we are source. And I think this is what a lot of people who are fully awakened uh, speak to, that that separation, that um, that concept that there is that separation just melts away. And we realize, OK, I'm not the individual who I thought I was. I am this infinite, um, you know, uh, energy and we realize that we're connected to the all, the ocean that you talk of. Um, so what I wanted to go back to, you mentioned about fertility and sacred fertility. Um, so is this for people who want to conceive a child or is this for everybody? Is there healing that everybody can um, take from this sacred fertility? Ah, this is good. Well, um, my first calling when I asked creator to guide me to where I was most needed, I forgot to include in there uh, something that I also wanted to you know, work with. Fertility actually was not on my radar because I had chosen not to have children of my own, but to serve the many children. And um, that was already there in place. I, but I'll tell you what led me to that was asking the questions. Am I, if I were to have a child tomorrow, would I be ready? Am I the right person for, for being a mother? I mean, what, what it would need to change in my life. And so it became this evolutionary process of realizing that creating a fertile environment inside and out for the life that wants to be born actually is applying uh, the same principles of conscious creation to conscious conception. It's the same thing. It's the same idea. The fertile environment is the same as what epigenetics talks about. Uh, epigenetics is the science saying that our genetic code, our makeup can be activated or deactivated depending on the environment that it's placed in. And it's very similar to a seed. If a seed's sitting on a rock, not planted and not watered, it's not going to bring out its potential at all. It's seed that carries the potential, however, but it's not activated yet. And so how do we activate it? Well, we intuitively know, right? Plant it in the wet soil, keep watering it, make sure it gets sunlight, pull the weeds around it, give it space to grow. And for our life now, it's just been this thing where I just started attracting women who were getting well, actually IVF, that process of IVF is, is what actually drew me in because I was seeing a lot of stressed out mothers, a lot of stressed out people trying to bring babies into the world. And I thought, this is just not right. This is not the environment that a child would want to be brought into. And this is not a, an environment that a mother would want to bring their child into. And so bringing the focus back onto the mother, realizing that is the environment for the child it's a perfect opportunity to pull our weeds, plant our seeds, water our soul, bring ourselves to the sunlight of the spirit and bring a fertile environment into play. It actually ended up increasing fertility. And so it really made a lot of sense to keep going on this journey and kind of moving in that way. And I've written a book called The Sacred Life of Fertility. And it's like, just walking through the, the process and understanding that it, it really is a mind, body, spirit 
you know, endeavor. It's not just about the body. It's about the environment that the body is experiencing. And we, we won't create if we don't feel safe. And that's so now my calling with everything that's been going on with COVID and with, you know, just everybody's life kind of going in upheaval, everybody's going through their own process of shedding what, you know, apparently life wants them to shed and people are kicking and screaming about it and very, very much uh, are in this place of unrest. And so I felt like this call needed to expand a greater audience into awareness of the teachings are all, all there. It's all the same thing, but it's, we're here to birth our soul's potential period. Mothers feel called to have their babies, but writers feel called to have their babies too in the form of a book or business owners have, have their babies and their products to put into the world. There's a calling there. And that's what I work with now. I mean, it's all the same work actually, but it's just evolved. And now it touches the same principles. If we understand that our limitations lie in the, the small little eye of ourself and we heal the parts of ourself that feel like they need some healing, like inner child work, for example, um, or traumas from the past that feel like they're stuck, some stuff that maybe got stuck in that belief system, our, our wiring got kind of tripped up and kind of uh, tangled up, so to speak. So there are very high level at the angelic level. I, I, I have recently attracted, I guess, or called in the team from the Elohim uh, angelic realm where they're literally the game-changing angels. And there's some quick changes that occur at that level when people are really ready to shed and let go of what limits them. And this transformation process of expanding into the ocean, not just once a day, but permanently. <laughs> it's, it's a permanent transformation. And it's pretty amazing what, you know, when people are ready to really, really do the work, it just can happen so quickly. And it's beautiful because it's, it's no longer, it's just, they don't resonate anymore with the, the old ways. Like they no longer want to do the self-destructive behaviors. They no longer want to uh, tolerate, you know, discomforts to survive. It's now, I really, really want to see the life that I'm here to create come to fruition and I'm going to do what it takes. And so they show up and it's amazing to see. Yeah. And I think that when, and it doesn't have to be this way, but when we reach a certain level of suffering, often that's when people turn to spirit because yeah. they've tried all the other things and they realize, okay, this isn't working. This isn't working. This isn't working. And then they come to spirit and they're, they're so ready to give up the suffering at that stage. But a part of them had to go through that. And I do believe that we don't have to, but a lot of people, because they're not listening to their higher guidance, 
then they end up going down these paths that aren't the right route for them. And a lot of the time that can lead to suffering and the choices that they're making aren't in alignment. So then it is like they do a U-turn and turn back towards spirit and begin that journey back. Um, But I do believe, as you said, um, that's where we're all going. We're all um, dissolving back into the ocean. And it doesn't mean losing our individuality or our sense of self it means becoming more of who we are yes exactly Um, exactly well said yes (laughs) so I when you were talking about um you know the birthing process and obviously you know birthing um a book or business um it's the same thing as you're saying but I do think when people are trying to conceive it's there's such an emotional charge around that there's so much emotional energy and you often hear of people who've been through the IVF and had a baby and then suddenly they conceive naturally because they've let go of all of that emotional stuff they've relaxed and suddenly the process opens up for them to conceive naturally because they're not in that that heightened energy state of when does this happen it has to happen um so I do think that that's so important to do that work as you were saying to um heal the parts of us um that are feeling that way and to allow yourself to open up to as you saying planting that seed having that right environment I love that um, comparison (laughs) (laughs) thank you yeah it is really it is quite precious work and the women who come through the doors I wish this was different um, but they've suffered a lot and before they'll find their way through my doors a lot of them have suffered a great deal and they think that nothing can help them. I would love to see people start the process at a younger age where they really take responsibility for their amazing fertile life that they develop for themselves. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of my reality for them, a lot, or I should say what I, what I've seen in, in this world is I say this kind of a lot jokingly, but it's actually kind of true for this group, especially is the way to heaven is by backing out of hell. And so understanding all of the places that they've been suffering in and introduce the suffering parts of themselves to the ocean to clean off, to rinse out, to clear out, and then see how they feel because I I will take this to my grave. The child that we're calling in is coming from that ocean. We need to be a match for that ocean. And we are the portal for that ocean. But I think that right now in the time that we're in, this, this earth is changing greatly and rapidly. And consciousness of humanity is changing too. And if we don't change, we're going to breed ourselves right off of this planet. So the kids that are coming through have a very high focus level they're very intense they're they're more aware they're very much in their bodies they know who they are they know what they're here to do some of them are very rebel oriented because they're tired of the establishment they're ready to change things and we need to see them and if we can't see them we're going to try we're going to stamp out their spirit and we're going to control them and it's going to even cause more of an uprising and it's going to backfire on us and so my work has been to help parents see their children by seeing themselves first 
And there is a lot of, of uh, damage that a lot of our lineage, our ancestors have done to our parents and to us. And it's all pretty much stemming down to being seen and heard and understood and loved in the way that we needed to be loved. We don't need to go around blaming our parents anymore. We can take responsibility for that for ourselves. But if we don't, we're gonna miss out on a, a great beauty that can come from these children coming through and being seen for who they really are and what they're here to really do, which is make this world a better place. So we're, we're not just having children here, we're creating, definitely creating a higher humanity. And that was my divine assignment that I was given. And yeah. I think another important point is to recognize that we too choose our parents. And yep. what, before we come into this form, um, we know the circumstances we're coming into. We know the parents and the family that we're coming into and the challenges we may have, have to face. And as you said, yeah. the agreements that we agree to before we come in um, and that we will be um, a certain um, way or a certain light um, to help others as well. So I think yeah. I, I myself, I never get triggered so much as when my son will do some things and like there's nobody else who will trigger me as much, but I know that he is just shining the light on the aspects of me that need to be healed or released and yep. it's so funny because when like I know this but I'll still allow myself to get triggered at times and um, so it's all a work in progress but I am aware and I know that okay yeah I need to um just relax a little bit when it comes to certain aspects but um I think a lot of parents don't have that awareness and it's they find it really tough because they're pushing back and it can yeah. be like a real struggle but yeah and it robs I mean that struggle unfortunately robs us of the energy we could be putting into making improvements in this world. I feel like we're far too distracted with problematic behavioral stuff that doesn't need to be there. And as we kind of just see it for what it is as an opportunity to learn and grow instead of battle all the time for control or whatever it is. I mean, I know that we all go through our stuff and <laughs> we do um, as, you know, being that I did not, choose to be a parent in this life. I've been a parent in many lifetimes. I don't need to do it this lifetime, but I do understand that what we go through when we are young, we will come full circle. If we haven't healed it already, it'll come full circle around with the children that we have. They will bring up every little detail that needs healing. Just like you said, just like you said, and there's actually a term for it. It's called age reciprocal resonance. So the thing that we didn't heal at a certain age, when that child hits that age, it'll trigger us. And okay. we have to look at it. We have to look at it. And nice. it's always going to be, oh, what is it about me that I'm not seeing? And that's great because then it takes the focus off making them the problem or the troubled child. And we look at ourselves, take responsibility, go, okay, that's the piece I need to see for myself. They get to, they are the teacher at that point. They are our greatest 
teacher, <laughs> but you are holding that space for him or her to let them evolve the way they need to evolve while still recognizing we've got our stuff too. We're not perfect parents. We're not perfect adults. We are learning and growing still. It's a great synergy, isn't it? When we can partner up with our children like that and see them as the teachers that they are. It's really cool. And I find that when I'm externally focused, if I'm focused on something that someone else did or that one of my sons did, that it never changes the situation. It's always when I bring the focus back inside and when I go within that the external situation will either resolve itself or it'll just start to change and morph. And sometimes there's nothing I need to do, but just take that focus within. And it can be as simple as just that acknowledgement. Um, often that part of us that needs healing, that inner child just needs acknowledgement. And that can be all that it needs. And once it has that, it moves on and it can be really, really simple and quick. I think sometimes we think that this work has to take years, um, Mm -mm. but it doesn't always um, work that way. So not at all. It heals really fast when we return back to the truth, which is we are whole already. And this is just a part of me that, that has the perception that I'm not. And the only thing that needs healing is our perception that we're not whole and that those parts will trigger us. And that's exactly what's happening is it's reminding us, oh, that's a place that needs that, that viewpoint from the ocean stance that I'm already whole. I'm love itself and nothing's wrong in this place. You know, it's all good. I actually have to say you're, you're, I love what you just said about returning back because his behaviors shift after that. It's like, um, it reminds me, I used to teach years ago, I taught a group of new mothers and we would sit and it was called, well, I still teach the meditation part of it, but it's baby spirit. And it's about holding basically these were newborn mothers. So new, they brought their newborns to the class and we sat around, there's about 25 of us, I guess, at a time. And we were in a circle holding our babies. Well, I wasn't, but I was holding them. (laughs) And um, the mothers, I would teach them how to hold light around their bodies, the golden Christed oneness remembrance, right? The oneness of the ocean. And I would just show them how to hold a ball of light around them, an egg shape or a circle of light. And as soon as they dialed in, right, and just sort of focus the light, the mind starts to calm down, the heartbeat slows, the the system regulates, and their anxieties quell because these new mothers, of course, were, oh, my God, I can't calm my child down. Oh, my God, I can't calm my child down. My child's crying. And their energy goes right into the state of panic, just like their child. But I, I... just said, if we calm our own energy down and you ground yourself, so I taught them how to ground and put the bubble up and connect with source, basically. Bring the light in, calm yourself down, watch what happens with your baby. And sure enough, all the babies fell asleep. And the only one that didn't was one mother who couldn't connect in with the light. She could not make the connection. She just was so frazzled and so in reaction that she couldn't quite bridge into that space. And that's the only baby that didn't stop crying. Isn't that something? So interesting. Yeah. And I can relate because 
I remember when I was a new mother and being so tired. And I remember at nighttime having to get up when, you know, I'd hear my son crying and being just so frustrated that I wasn't getting sleep. And I remember holding him in that energy of frustration. And after probably, you know, I don't know how long it took, but after a while, I remember thinking, oh, I'm disconnected. I need to connect back in. I need to relax. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I relaxed and let go of that frustration, of course, he fell back asleep. So it does work. It definitely works. (laughs) It does Um, work. (laughs) So yeah, that's something any new mothers out there that you can try. It um, definitely is something that's so simple, so easy to do. Um, But it can take awareness when you're in that kind of state of what do I do? What do I need to do? Um, So yeah, I love all the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So who do you work with now? Are you still working with mothers or what's your focus now? Actually, that's a good question. I I just um, did a class and I'm going to do it twice a year from now on. I, I'm committed to that now until I get further notice from above. <laughs> but um, it's called Divine Magic. And it's a nine week um, course that I just absolutely love. I just finished it last Saturday and it was really sweet. It was so, so sweet. It was about connecting with your higher self and receiving the guidance that you need. But we also walked through things like inner child work, forgiveness, um, chakra energy, and how how to work with that to understand creation. You know, the physical reactive chakras are in the body, they're the lower chakras, and they all need to work together to, to create that wholeness. But sometimes there's emotions that get stuck in certain chakras. So we worked with clearing those. And the creator light and setting intention and um, and then working with our future self as well as our higher self and then our angelic team and then learning how to clear DNA, upgrading our DNA and, and sending also healing to the earth. We did that as well. So there was quite a lot that went on. And as people evolved into building their confidence in themselves, the, the trust that they get when they see a certain imagery or they connect in. And I shared a lot of my experiences to my encounters with, you know, the healing journeys that I would have with Jesus or Mother Mary when they would come to me. And so we validated each other's experiences in the in the Q&A discussions where it was a little more social gathering style, but it, this is what I do now. And I, I really, I want to build on that. I'll say though, that there is the extra bit. I definitely still have my, my, um, my tribe of women who really want to step into birthing themselves first before birthing their soul's calling. (laughs) Um, And then that, that conscious conception journey is very much alive and well. I do private coaching with a lot of, I have about three or four students that I work privately with fertility and then about 10 others that are just regular manifestors, creators, conscious creators. And um, it's everything from, um, it's amazing. The people that are coming through my doors are absolutely amazing and they serve many people. And so I feel like I'm a torch lighter. Um, I'm a door opener. 
for, for, I want to be the one behind the scenes serving the one who serves the many, so to speak. So I'm the behind the scenes person. The people that I serve have public faces. A lot of them. I'm very private with who I work with, so I don't share that, but yeah, they have <laughs> big, big audiences and it's, it's pretty beautiful how I, I found my place. Cause I, I'm not a big face person in the online spotlight thing, but I serve the one who serves the many. And so whether, whether that's the mother who's serving their own child or whether it's the entrepreneur serving their audience or the entertainer serving their tribe or whatever it is, doesn't matter to me. It's just, it's all the same work really. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned about validating each other's experiences, because I think that's so important. I know with my members, I always ask at the end of our like meditations and activations to share their experiences, because I think when people share what they've experienced, it normalizes this work with yeah. spirit. And yep. it, it, it's so important because we realize, oh, it's normal to speak to your angels. It's normal to feel them and to sense them and have these visions. And it's normal to have these experiences. And I think the more we normalize it, um, it takes out that kind of idea that only certain people can do it or, you know, people who have certain gifts or talents because everybody can connect. Every Well, we are spirit. We are from source. So of course, why couldn't we all connect with our yes. source? I love that. It's it, the normalizing is so important and people I think have, they just don't understand how to understand their, how to listen, how to, how to recognize that this is their intuition talking to them. And that's, that's what this actually, the, essentially, this is all that this is about, really. I mean, lofty things like higher self and, you know, angelic guidance. And I mean, that can intimidate the average person, right? And so for the, the, the ones who, who just want creative juice in their life, you know, I just want to tap into writer's block and clear it. You know, there's, there's certain things that people need, but what they're really asking for is the stuff that we get to do to serve them, to, to work with their higher team. And so I'll use language that speaks to them, like intuition, you know, tap into your intuition, but it, it really Ultimately, it's not about my ideas being projected onto someone at all. It's about setting someone's ideas that are limiting, helping them set their own ideas that are limiting free, just to set themselves free so that they are in direct con connection with their own spirit and to realize that spiritual alignment is all about freedom and peace of mind, centeredness, presence, creativity, abundance, health, all of these things come as a result of connecting in with this ocean, I'll, I'll call it. And that is the beauty of it, right? We talk in terms of kind of languaging that maybe not a lot of people would, would normally speak, but by the end of our work with them, I'm sure that they are more open. And that's the, the beauty, I think, of being able to just say intuition. And we know what that means. We work with our team to help them, but they're just learning how to trust it. And they're at this other level, right? Of just learning how to listen to their intuition. So yeah, there's, it's an art as a, as a practitioner 
I don't call myself a healer because I feel like God is the one that does all that healing work, but I'm just the door opener. And if people are willing to walk through it, they're going to find a lot waiting for them on the other side. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's wonderful to have people like you doing this work who are opening the doors. Um, as I say, you know, the way showers or the light bearers, as you were saying. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I hope that the people who um, need to find you, find you and get to work with you. Um, if Aww. people want to contact you, how do they get in touch? Okay. Well, my website is my name. So elizabethmanning.com. It's Elizabeth with an S. So that's a little unique spelling there. But if you Googled something like Elizabeth Manning and conscious conception or fertile living or anything in that realm, that would be, yeah. And I'm on Instagram. I, my handle is birthing the light on Instagram. So if you wanted to find me there, you could too, but yeah. Thank Brilliant. you so much for having me. This was a wonderful conversation. It's I could talk all day. It's been <laughs> such a pleasure. It's been such thank a pleasure. You. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening and being here. And we will be back very soon for another episode of the Fiercely Spiritual Podcast. Thank you, Elizabeth. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.